Are you struggling in your faith? Are you pretending you're happy but stuck in a spiritual rut? Are you tired of listening to famous pastors and preachers who make it sound so easy? Welcome to Broken Catholic, the number one Protestant and Catholic voice in America. I talk about the important things that nobody else is talking about, like how to align with God's plan for your life, because I believe this is where 90% of Christians get stuck. And I tackle the negative self-talk that we all secretly struggle with but won't admit. My guests are brave Protestants and Catholics who share their struggles, their fears, and their daily holy habits that help them win in their spiritual lives. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a broken Catholic and former atheist and a spiritual coach to Christian business owners and CEOs who are married with children. This show was created for you, the broken Catholic, who's pushing to get your spouse, your kids, and yourself to heaven. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you're just one surrender prayer away. Today, my featured guest is Larry Langston. You can find him at LarryLangstonMinistries.com. And Larry is an active video storyteller and TV broadcaster. He's been married to Diane French for 50 years. They have five children and 13 grandchildren. He's been in ministry as a senior pastor and missions advocate in the Philippine Islands for 23 years and church and conference speaker for 51 years. Pretty much whatever you're up to, BC Nation, he's done it longer than you. That's what I'm hearing here and me. Uh, He's a very young, 69 years of age, feels like 50 most days. He appreciates hobbies. These have included golf, horses, motorcycles, hunting, fishing, boating, and he received his private pilot's license in 1994. We're going to get into Larry's story today about uh, a time in his life um, in ministry where he was really challenged which direction to go, to follow the advice of human wisdom or to follow God's wisdom. And many times those are not the same. How to hear God's voice and know that it's him and to stick forward, continue forward with certainty in that, right? When everyone around you is doubting you or accusing you. I've been through that. It's very difficult. BC Nation, maybe you're in it right now. Maybe you're headed towards it. Either way, you're going to pull some wisdom from Larry. And then we're going to go deep into another story that's more tantalizing for your ears. It will have the mafia involved in it. It will have a murder. It's a sad story, but God brings good out of the bad, doesn't he? And he's done that in Larry's life. So Larry's going to share that vulnerably, openly, transparently, just for you. It's not an easy share but you're worth it. And we're hoping that you're going to get inspired today through our conversation to one, know that you're not alone in your struggle Two, to know that God is right there with you. And three, it is your personal responsibility to get up and get out of it, to not sit there and remain there face down in the mud of life. You are a son or precious daughter of God, the King of the universe. You were created created for greatness. You're made for more. However you're feeling today, feelings pass. Situations pass. Things get better. It will for you as well. Larry Langston, welcome to Broken Catholic, the number one podcast on iTunes for Protestants and Catholics. Go ahead and quickly uh, fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? Well, thank you so much, Joseph. It's such an honor to be here with you and your listeners And my grandfather was a minister. My father was a minister. All my 
uncles and cousins were ministers. And naturally, everyone said to me, well, Larry, when you grow up, you're going to be a minister, aren't you? And I emphatically said, no, I'm not. But God did call me. And as the Apostle Paul said, he put me into the ministry. And it was at an early age. And I began traveling and speaking and ministering and singing and married at an early age. And my wife and I were just very involved in uh, outreach and evangelism. And then I came to pastor a church in um, Augusta, Georgia, and it had had some challenges and God sent us there just to do a Nehemiah type rebuilding work. And it went really well by the grace of God, not my talents or abilities. It became one of the largest churches in the Southeast in our denomination and things were going really, really well there. And we were thankful for that, uh, Joseph. Excellent. You know, I think of Blue Bloods, not the show, but, you know, police officers, police officers, right? Generational in the family, your dad, your granddad, you're a police officer. I grew up with these guys on Long Island in New York and just everyone, that was the thing. You're going to be a police officer. Everyone does it. So you got the Blue Bloods and what I'm hearing, you know, everyone in your family was a pastor. You're going to be a pastor. It's almost like the Holy Spirit bloods or something like it's in the blood, <laughs> right? You're spirit filled, man. Spirit filled. Yeah. So. Thank you for sharing that. Um, let's get into our first story here. Uh, take us back to that time. Um, paint us a very clear, vivid picture of that big challenge you had in your ministry where uh, the wisdom of those around you uh, became or came to a point where it was in direct conflict with the wisdom of God that you were being led by. At least you felt that way. Take us there. Well, Joseph, as I said earlier, the church had done really, really well and had grown uh, to one of the largest um, churches in the Southeast. And we were just very fortunate. Uh, 1,000 seat sanctuary, uh, 17 acres of property, regulation size softball courts, tennis courts, basketball courts, a six acre bass lake. And people were coming and people were giving their life to Jesus. We were seeing a lot of positive change. And during that time, I had a lot of business people that became connected to our church. And eventually, so many people came to me and said, Larry, we love this ministry. We love the worship. We love the, the, the preaching, but there's things we don't understand. And those things were traditional issues that we required for church membership. And <laughs> dare I even say we required them for entrance to heaven. But as I began to look closely in the word of God and not our denominational handbook, I found that actually we were requiring a lot of things from people that the word of God and the Holy Spirit didn't require. And so I began to make adjustments toward that. And some people would say sadly, but I would say it was fortunate for us that we, we left that ministry and left that organization and started all over. I remember I left a luxurious office and now I had a desk under a tree on a creek behind my house. And we started all over again, but it was the best decision that we ever made. Larry, can you share with us one or two examples of where you felt uh, the church or the leadership of the church, including yourself, was burdening uh, God's people? Wow, that takes my breath to uh, remember that, Joseph. This will really knock some of your, your listeners over with a, a proverbial feather, so to speak. Uh, it was along the lines of dress codes and outward appearances, and, and the load was really placed on the women uh, more so than the men. Uh, there was a forbidden to wear any type of jewelry, uh, wedding bands, uh, gold watches, earrings, things of this nature, any type of makeup. The women were forbidden to trim their hair, and the men were forbidden to wear any facial hair. And I had a chemical engineer come into my office one day, and he said, Pastor, I have a question for you. 
it's natural for me to grow facial hair on my face. If I don't trim it, it's a natural outgrowth that God gave me. My wife doesn't have that ability. What is this about? Uh, I respect you as my pastor, but could you tell me why this um, issue is, is um, Maranatha to us in the church here, that we, we can't participate in that? And I began to research our church history, and I found, to my surprise, Joseph, that when the pastors would meet in conventions back in the 1800s and early 1900s, that they would walk out on the front steps of the convention center and have a group photo. Maybe there would be 80 or 100 of them. And Joseph, every one of them had a beard and a mustache. I'm thinking, well, this can't be a biblical issue. It's got to be a social or a cultural issue. And I, I found that during those days, if you didn't have a beard or a mustache, you were considered effeminate. You were not a man. You were, and so how times changed. And then as I traveled overseas, I was speaking extensively uh, in other nations. And I found that the requirements uh, for this outward manifestation of what was called holiness was different from country to country and culture to culture. And I determined to seek the word of God and see what was biblical and what was traditional. Then I stumbled across a scripture where Jesus said in the book of Matthew, you teach the traditions of men and you make them the doctrines of God and you thereby make the word of God of non-effect. Wow, that startled me. How would you make the powerful, life-giving, creative word of God of non-effect? And it's simply by our traditions and our laying burdens upon people that the Holy Spirit doesn't lay. So when I begin to make those adjustments, I just had to exit and start over again and embrace mm. the body of Christ, which is a, another beautiful conversation. So Larry, I love, I really love and like where you're taking this conversation because this is a, a conflicting uh, position uh, to many denominations within our universal church or Catholic church with a lowercase c. And a lot of us can take issue with another denomination that follows traditions um, and not only the word of God, not only the Bible, but tradition as well. And some say, well, they do extra and it's not needed, or they do extra and it's heresy. Mm. And then you have other denominations that say, listen, it's by faith alone. There is no tradition. You're right. There's no works, etc." Right. So I want to come back with this and say, what if it's not a this or that? What if it's a this and that? And BC Nation, I invite you to be open and hear us right now and really understand that the apostles, the early church fathers had many traditions and the Bible speaks about do the traditions that have been handed down to you, right? Paul tells us this. So we're not meant to do away with the traditions. We're meant to include the traditions, but, and I think this is where Larry's really bringing this to the forefront or bringing it into the light, the tradition should never, ever surpass the word of God and the importance given to it. Larry, is that a fair way to say it? Anything you would change there? Well, that's a beautiful way to bring that thought forward, Joseph. Thank you so much. Traditions can be a beautiful thing. It can be a beautiful spiritual experience. The challenge is when we begin to take our personal traditions, our likes, the things that are dear to us that are personal convictions, and we attempt to lay them on everyone else, Mm. Um, I remember a couple of pastors once that they loved to hunt and fish. In fact, they spent so much time and money and expertise in hunting and fishing, and they entered into a personal consecration. And can you believe their new doctrine was this? You must not hunt. You must not fish. 
Well, I don't doubt for a minute, Joseph, that the Holy Spirit was convicting them of their excesses, but instead of realizing that this is a tradition or an excess or something we love that we need to curtail and bring it into balance, and I want to say up front, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with hunting or fishing, but the Holy Spirit is bringing balance into your life about this or any other habit or tradition or issue that's of a personal nature, then when you come to the body of Christ, his universal church, and say, it's a sin for you to hunt. It's a sin for you to fish. No, it isn't. <laughs> don't, don't try to lay that personal conviction on everyone else because they may be in total balance and harmony with the Holy Spirit. And so we want to be careful how we take our personal issues and try to apply them to everyone else. And what mm -hmm. we had done in our denomination actually made these traditions, heaven or hell issues. Can you imagine? And I would mm -hmm. say to you or teach you, if you do not keep these particular man-made traditions, not biblical traditions, if you don't keep those, you can't have entrance into the kingdom of God. <laughs> Larry, I think you presented that so well. And thank you for adding to what I said. What I'm hearing you say is that when we take our personal convictions and we try to make them into public mandates, mm -hmm. we run into error. Yes. Especially when we do it in the name of God. Yes. And minus the name of God right now, we can see a lot of that going on with this coronavirus. Not to go political by any means, but we see a lot of personal conviction with individuals being pushed on everyone who don't feel convicted about certain things or wearing certain items. And it's become public mandate and soon being pushed towards public law with very severe consequences. And I think this is error, whether it's in this, the, the church space or it's in the, the government space as well. So let's shift the conversation here. Thank you for sharing that story. That's powerful. And BC Nation, I really hope, like myself, that you just took something from that, something of value for your own life. And maybe it's just a simple assessment of one or two questions for your, yourself. What personal convictions do you have that you are publicly pushing, maybe on your family? maybe on your kids, maybe on your spouse, maybe on your church. Just sit with that question. Write it down. Take some time before God in your quiet time. Ask God to show you if you are doing that, where you're doing that, and how to stop doing that. All right, Larry, let's move over. We're speaking with Larry Langston, uh, senior pastor. You can find him at LarryLangstonMinistries.com. Larry, you have a very uh, traumatic story to share of a personal family member. Um, it involves murder, involves the mafia, and it involves you uh, hitting a rock bottom place of uh, feeling alone, uncertain, uh, maybe abandoned by God, abandoned by others. I don't want to put words into your mouth. Go ahead and share us that story. Paint us a vivid picture as well, like you did with the first. Joseph, I had only one sibling, a brother, five years younger than me, and I lived several states away, and we didn't get to see each other often but we would converse by phone and we would get together two or three times a year. Unfortunately, he was involved in the construction industry. He and a business partner and he began to flourish and they did great work. They were organized. They knew what they were doing. They were building hotels across the South. They were involved uh, in oil and gas and he became part of a family. And over a period of time, he began to understand that, this was not a healthy situation and he desired to leave that environment. He had been advised by them as to how he should conduct his business and how they wanted to be involved in his business. And he saw that this was not 
a direction that he wanted to go. And so he determined that he would leave that environment. And I was with him on a Thursday and we had a great time of fellowship together. And, and uh, then he was with my father a couple of days later. And he said to my dad, dad, just so you know, I have a 5% chance of surviving. I'm probably going to lose my life. And my dad was just shocked. And he said, son, just don't go back. Uh, don't re-enter that, that, that um, environment. And he said, dad, you don't understand. I'm under constant surveillance. There's no way or anywhere in the world I can be that I am free. So just so you know, dad, I'm leaving that environment because I can't live that way. And they're asking me to be part and I cannot do what I would be required to do. So I may lose my life, but you need to know, dad, that I'm reading my Bible every night. I'm staying in the hotel. I'm not going out with the guys and I'm ready to meet the Lord. And my dad said, son, I can hardly bear to hear what you're telling me, but I could never ask you to live the life that you're being pressured to live. And so we understand. And just two days later, his life was taken, Joseph. So when you say his life was taken, he was murdered by that environment, the, the people within it. Is that correct? Because he chose not to participate? That is correct. His life was taken. He called the night before and said, I'm coming to pick up my belongings and my things. And when he went to that location, he went to pick up his belongings. And when he did, he was shot through the head. When he got out of his car, he was shot through the head. It was a professional hit and it was a very challenging time for us. My dad and mom had just had an automobile accident and I happened to be with them in their home and we got the phone call. His life had been taken that morning around nine o'clock. We did not get the call till around five o'clock and he was already uh, in the funeral home and uh, the um, cause of death had already been determined, which we contested and saw that changed. And so it was a devastating time for my dad and mom and for my, myself as well. What was going on on the inside of you? when you got the news that your brother was murdered, shot in the head for trying to leave something he saw as evil that he didn't want to participate in? Well, it certainly was a time of mixed emotions. Uh, my dad and mom were just broken and we got in the car and drove several hundreds of miles to that location. And of course went through the, the funeral and talked to a lot of people. And uh, there were some things said and some vows made by others about revenge that I really shouldn't speak of here, but we made it through that season, got back home. Of course, I met with the people of that environment and conducted business with them on behalf of my brother's estate. And it was very difficult being face to face with the people that I knew had taken his life. And when I returned home, I got my dad and mom settled. And I got back to my home several states away and was just sitting by my pool now really thinking about what had occurred because I had tried to buffer my dad and mom during this time and I was by my pool and I began to think about this and what actions we should be taking and how we would go forward. And Joseph, I lost my peace. It was startling, it was shocking, it was uncomfortable that I lost my peace. And I had never experienced this before. And I said, Joseph, I said, is this the way people feel that don't have God in their life? Is this how people feel that don't, ha don't have the peace of God living in them? And I went that way for four days, four long days, in which I felt empty and 
um, confused and frustrated and lonely and isolated. And I certainly did not have my peace. And I concluded, I can't live this way. I can't live this way. And so I gave it to the Lord. I put it in his hands. There wasn't anyone I could call, no one I could talk to. We had actually been warned by my brother and others, don't talk to any law enforcement officers. Don't talk to anyone. They know where you live. They drive past your house. Just let it be. It will be all right. So we put it in the hands of the Lord and we let it rest there and show some, my peace came back and it's never left these many years later. And so if there's anyone that's lost the peace of God or you don't have the peace of God in your life, let me urge you to let it flood your soul today. It's invaluable, even necessary. Larry, thank you for sharing a very heartfelt uh, and painful story. I know that you're healed from it now. Mm. Much time has passed, but in that moment, um, to lose your only brother, uh, to know who ended his life, to have to sit at tables and conduct business with them. In your heart, as you're facing them across the table, did you have forgiveness or unforgiveness in your heart? Well, at the moment, we were trying to determine what to do. I have, sometimes I laugh and I say, half of my family are gangsters and the other half are ministers. <laughs> And part of our family was just saying, just point the finger. You don't even have to say who, just point the finger. Others, my brother's friends and associates made vows, blood vows, that they would revenge him. And of course, we tried to dissuade them. So as I'm sitting there at this table, I knew what had occurred and why it occurred. And yet I had to sit there. And I guess I was numb, Joseph. I, I was just numb by what had occurred and the tragedy of what had occurred and the, the cover up and the, the whole thing that had occurred. And as I sat there, it was very hard just to be there at the table and in the car and in the office with the people that I knew were responsible for my brother's life being taken and just getting through, getting past this until I could get home and recover and determine just what to do. And because of my brother's own warning to do nothing that's what we chose to do. We put it in God's hands and I could only come to forgiveness by the goodness of the Lord. Forgiveness is an essential ingredient for moving forward in our life. The book of James talks about a root of bitterness. He said, beware, don't be defiled by any root of bitterness because it will spring up and bring forth the wrong fruit and it has defiled many, many people. Now we'll tell you that bitterness and unforgiveness does more damage to us than it does to those that we're bitter about. But when we release it, then we have the freedom to go forward. And vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I'll take care of it. That's what God says. And of course, a truly forgiven attitude wishes the best for those who have hurt us. When we put it in God's hands and leave it with him and wish others well, we find an avalanche <laughs> of God's blessing and favor upon our own path that's invaluable. Mm, thank you for going there, Larry. I know in my own personal life, um, especially my dating relationships prior to getting married, I remember I tried to end relationships amicably, um, to end it peacefully, to say, hey, listen, it's just not working. It's not a fit anymore. There's no long term here. And, and I, I would remember the girls would have their hearts broken and they would just 
let their feelings consume them. And, and some of them, not all of them, they were good women. Some of them would act out and try to seek vengeance on me or publicly, um, you know, slander me across all the social media, et cetera, to my friends and family who I had allowed them into that space of sacredness, right? Uh, while we were uh, dating. And, and I remember I had to not retaliate, not retaliate. As, as they were accusing and slandering and, and trying to ruin my business or whatever they were up to. And I just felt for them. I felt compassion. I felt pity. At the same time, I, I wanted to be away from them because I was being attacked. And I remember it was one of the most difficult things for me, BC Nation, to surrender that to God and say, God, bless them in their lives. She's a good person. She knows not what she does. She's hurt. I caused that. I get it. Father, bless her in her life. And I remember, um, you know, in some cases, uh, you know, the person backed down, you know, and, and just kind of uh, disappeared <laughs> into the sunset, so to speak. And then others, they just kept coming, kept coming, even after I blessed them. And I remember uh, the Lord shielded me in my life. And then the loss, the God's wrath came upon their life. And I remember they're watching from the sidelines, their life go to pieces. Mm. And it, I felt for them, but I, by no means was it my responsibility. The Lord's wrath had taken over. Um, because I had trusted in him. I had, I had put my faith in him. I had prayed. I had asked for forgiveness for them. I had completed that. I had blessed them for their lives, like you said. So BC Nation, I only share my personal story there because I want you to know that I'm ordinary, just like you. Yeah. I am. And sometimes I know, you know, some of my listeners that they hear some of my other stories that are more extraordinary stories and they find it difficult to relate. But I want you to know, I have the same brokenness as you. I have the same relationship issues as you. I've been through them. I've been through addiction. I've been through these things, right? So if you're in them, know you're not alone. And, and also know, like Larry's saying, the way out of them is to surrender your control over that situation to God, to give it to him. Don't try to fix it yourself. Don't. It's not worth it. And, and let go of the unforgiveness. Give it to God, right? And Larry, man, I really acknowledge you for doing that in such a um, theatrical, not even theatrical, but man, like... This is like a Godfather's movie, you know, scenario. And for you to just release uh, forgiveness over them and blessings over them and rely on God to take care of you and your family and your personal safety, uh, that's an extraordinary act. So I just acknowledge you for that. We're speaking with Larry Langston. You can find him at LarryLangstonMinistries.com. Larry, we're going to wrap up our show right about here. Thank you for sharing those two very vulnerable um, and personal, but very real life stories. And uh, we're about to enter my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the confession round, Larry. Uh, I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. It's just for fun. Are you ready, sir? I'm ready. I love when I have, uh, you know, my Protestant brothers and sisters come on and I say things like the confession round and they're like, oh my gosh, that's so funny. (laughs) And it is. We have to laugh, people. We have to (laughs) laugh. But before I start with our questions, Larry, I just want to turn to you, BC Nation, and say that you know, I want you to know what I'm up to in the world. And, and I want, I want it to resonate with you or not resonate with you. But let me just share that what I'm up to right now is that I help Christian business owners, Christian coaches uh, that are over 40 years old, who care about their family deeply. That's very important who care about their family. I help them blow up the rocks, the secret rocks in their business that are holding them down the secret rocks in their marriage that are causing conflict with their spouse, the secret rocks in their parenting that weigh them down every single day. 
So I help them blow up these rocks so that they can scale their income and their impact and really pursue God's plan for their life. If you resonate with that in any way, BC Nation, reach out to me. You can find me at josephwarren.net. I'll take time out of my day to schedule a call and we'll just see if it's a fit for you or someone you know. Because that's what really matters is the relationships. It's all that matters. Relationship with God and others. It's the two great commands, isn't it? Larry, thank you for that little commercial break I just did there. Um, all right. Confession round. Let's do it, brother. What's your favorite thing about God? His unconditional and eternal love. Amen. What's your least favorite thing about God? The wicked run on and on and on without his intervention immediately. Mm. That he permits it in the world, right? The wickedness and evil. Yeah, I get that. What What are you most afraid of? Haughtiness, pride, greed. Got it. The big ones. <laughs> the cardinal sins. Um, Larry, I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our life. It's just part of being human. What are you struggling with personally or professionally right now? Well, God has been so good to me and allowed me to be the executive producer of TV programs to create videos on a daily basis and use all the technology. And the word of God is truly covering the earth. And as I look at these creations, I'm proud of them. I'm thankful for them. And then I need to realize that, Larry, the competence that you're gaining is a gift from God. And yes, you've been disciplined, but I'm trying to balance confidence and competence and humility. And I believe if I can walk in humility, the goodness of God will continue to bless our endeavors. Mm. What did you spend way too much time doing this past year? This past year? What did I spend too much time doing? Wow, we've been busy launching so many ministries and outreaches and media groups, and I just really can't think of a lot of wasted time. Um, I've eat too much and eat the wrong things. I'm trying to bring that into balance. <laughs> Got it. And Let's segue right into that. What's a new habit that you want to form and what's a bad habit you want to break? I want to divorce myself from the love of food that would possibly lead to gluttony and fast more. When I fast more, I hear better. I see better. I perceive more clearly the things of the spirit. And I believe that where we are in our world, our, in our nation as a, as, a, as a country and what God's doing globally in our personal lives, we really need to focus with laser intensity and fasting uh, assist in that, Joseph. Mm, I get that. What secret fear do you have about people? That they do not understand or apply these beautiful principles that you and I and others are bringing to them, that our labor would be in vain with them. Mm. What do you wish you had learned sooner about God? His wonderful grace and unconditional love. Got it. Pick three words to describe who, who you are now. More mature, more settled, more methodical, more patient, more loving, more kind, sometimes more impatient, <laughs> depending on the situation. I like that you had more than three words there. And pick three sorry, words to sorry. describe who you were uh, before uh, you fully surrendered control to God over those really painful situations in your life. Self-confident, self-interested, self-dependent. I get that. You know, I find it interesting that you listed self-confident in there as a negative. 
And, and I get what you're saying. It's any type of reliance on self BC nation causes most of the problems in our life. When we're talking spiritual things rather than relying on God, self-reliance is the enemy. And last question, Larry, if you could come back to life after you died, look your family and friends in the eye and give them only one piece of advice about everything. What would you say to them? Make your life count for eternity. Make your life count for eternity. That's a powerful, distinguishing intention. Any final wisdom, Larry? What's the one thing you want my listener to know about having a personal relationship with God, surrendering to him, to his plan for their life versus not? Well, God loves you eternally. And before you were ever formed, scripture tells us that before you were formed, God knew you and called you. And he placed talents and abilities and gifts in your life, not just for your satisfaction and fulfillment, but he placed his gifts in you because he was thinking of somebody else. You're the answer to someone else's prayer. You're the answer to someone else's needs. And as you recognize your talents and gifts and your callings by God and allow his grace to empower you to be effective, then allow God to develop the character so that you run in your race and your success won't be in vain. Amen to that. Larry, go ahead and take a minute and share what you're up to in the world with your ministries and how BC Nation can get in touch with you if they so choose. Well, you can reach us at LarryLangstonMinistries.com. We're involved globally. One of my most exciting projects right now is called Race to 100. God has helped us to see 100 ministries established in the Philippine Islands, churches, outreaches, nutrition, life skills, spiritual skills program, Race to 100 says, here we come with 100 more. And I can say that our ministry partner there, Bishop Gene Yudang, informed me this week that they've formed 10 new churches the last five months during COVID. So we're totally excited about that. And we're establishing internet radio stations in the Philippines, here in the States. And we're looking at India and Germany. And our plates are full, but God's a big God and he's helping us. And if you would like to know more, you can reach us. Uh, there at our website and uh, be happy to share more information with you. BC Nation, go check out LarryLangstonMinistries.com. Larry Langston, thank you for being on Broken Catholic. I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life, sir. BC Nation, you cannot show up authentically in your life without building faith in your business. If you want the business side of that conversation, I have another podcast called First 100K, where I interview successful entrepreneurs about how they made their first $100,000, because that's where I believe 90% of you are stuck and you can't break through. Go to first100k.com to find out how. I'm Joseph Warren. You were made for greatness. So stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day, and I'll see you right back here next week.